Hello and welcome to the Storytelling with Puck podcast. We will, as always, start with a story. So, have you ever been co-working or had a co-working session? Up here on the Northern Plains, it can get pretty interesting on my homestead. So, we had a week with really cold temperatures. The wind chills were down to almost negative 50. And my poor chickens just couldn't handle it. <laughs> a couple on their feet froze. So what does any good chicken farmer do? They take the chicken and they bring them someplace warm. And the best place to put them was in my office. So for one day, I was co-working with two of my hens. And that can be kind of interesting because they make some sounds. I still had my client calls. I still had my networking. And I guess it was a bit of a conversation piece, but I didn't know if I wanted to actually let people know that I had chickens in my office until I met with one client and I was trying to ignore the rattle and the clucking that they were making. And she said, do you have construction going on next to you? And I said, no, because nobody lives next to me. What I have is a hen with frozen feet right at my feet in a cage. And so I sent her a picture. And that just kind of summarizes my life here because I'm running a business and running a homestead. And sometimes that means that the two overlap and life gets a little bit interesting. So thankfully the hen's feet unfroze and she was better. And she stayed with me for a few days until my allergies just couldn't handle the hay <laughs> and the straw being in my <laughs> office anymore. And then she went back to her sisters in the coop. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much to explore and we will in a second but firstly thank you so much jennifer um, i really can't wait to find out more about you um i would I had not scripted this bit i can't wait to find out more about your hens <laughs> and this story but before we do that let's have a quick introduction to the podcast you're listening to storytelling with puck the podcast designed to show the power of stories in life and in business Stories connect us on a deeper level, which is why we'll be sharing, chatting about, and feeling the impact they have on every one of us. Your host, Stefano, is the founder of Puck Creations, and we work with your business to define a clear, consistent, relevant brand which stands out from the crowd. We use that brand to create content that makes your audience think, feel, and take action. Visit puckcreations.com to find out more. Before you do that, let's get this strategy sorted. It's time to get visible online and it's time to find out how our guest, Jennifer Elia, does exactly that. Jennifer, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Jennifer Elia from Sacred to Visibility Online. I live on the northern plains of South Dakota, as I mentioned, um, and I help companies get visible online by strategically going through their marketing strategy and making sure that everything is working together instead of just spinning their wheels and not getting anywhere. <laughs> so I help you educate your audience and what you offer how they can get it, why they need it in their life, and set you up as an expert so that you create fans that want to follow you and want to promote you to their friends, which is the best marketing that you can have. Word of mouth marketing. Um, it, it's the oldest form of marketing, and as you say, the, the best form of marketing yes. too. <laughs> Yet so many people, so many businesses struggle to get anybody to talk about them 
um, unless they've done something really wrong. So, so, yes. <laughs> so and not how, all the publicity is good publicity. So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the old saying isn't uh, isn't necessarily true on that front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but how do you go about even starting the? What, what's the base point when someone comes to you? to work out where they need to start even thinking about getting enough people to look at them, never mind talk about them? Well, I think that generally what happens when we start businesses um, in the 21st century is that we know that we need to be online and we need to have different vehicles to market our business online. So we join LinkedIn, we start emailing, you know, we follow what everybody is telling us to do. And we have all these different pieces that we're trying to manage and it gets overwhelming because none of it was done strategically and none of it is working together. So we go over and do an email and then we go over and do LinkedIn and then it just feels like, how do we keep up with this? So generally people come in because they're frustrated. Um, they're working really hard, but not really seeing results. And they're saying, I'm doing all the things, but it's not working. <laughs> and I can remember being in that position. So I've learned from experience um, and my marketing background of doing all the things isn't really what gets it done. Um, but also they think that the problem is like, let's say LinkedIn or Facebook, but really it's, it is that strategy and that messaging. Um, and it isn't about having a lot of people. It's about having a message that attracts people and creates those fans and then growing that fan base. Um, A lot of times people think it's, I need 100,000 followers. Well, it would be great to have 100,000 followers, but the 100,000 followers doesn't actually translate into business. Those 100,000 followers still need to know what you offer, how to get it and why they need it, or they're never going to invest in it. So it really is creating that messaging and that relationship um, so that they know that they can trust you and they understand what you do. And they see that you solve their problem and understand um, what they, what they're going through. That makes a lot of sense. Now, there's a few different elements that that really popped out, but probably the key one that I I think often gets misunderstood is people talk about um, digital marketing as if it's a completely separate idea to marketing, mm-hmm. as if they're two yes. completely different things. Mm-hmm. Now, what you just explained to me there is the reason that I would like to state that they're really not. (laughs) Um, Because I think what you just explained (laughs) to me there is what people who have worked in marketing, in established marketing, um, Mm -hmm. understand is that marketing is all about understanding who you are, who you're speaking to, and what you can do for the people that you're trying to sell to. It's it's, It's as simple as that. So Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to kind of, I guess, reword what you said. (laughs) Am I right in saying that what you're doing with a lot of these customers is helping them to understand that when they hear about digital marketing, it's not about following the crowd and doing everything Mm -hmm. that everyone else is doing. It's about understanding who they are better. Yes. And it's digital marketing as a vehicle, like it's still marketing. And I think that that's what many of us have lost. We think, oh, well, it's not marketing. It's because it's technology. You know, it's it's learning how to get around the Facebook algorithm, or it's learning how to get your open rate up on email. But still, it's still marketing. It's just a different vehicle. And yes, it's different than, let's say, print marketing or um 
more traditional ways of marketing your business um, before the internet came. But I think that it's more powerful because it's so much more personal than those forms of marketing were. So you can really um, amplify what you were doing there in a way that you can build fans, that small companies can build fans and brand awareness in ways that they never could before, Um, but really comes back to those good marketing practices. So you need to understand how the platforms work and how to write online and tell stories online as opposed, which is much different than let's say in a magazine. but it's still the same concept. It's just learning how to translate it into a new tool. That makes a lot of sense. You, you mentioned something key there and especially linked into what this podcast is all about. You, you talked mm-hmm. about telling stories online. Yes. Um, and the difference between telling stories online and, and, and telling stories in magazines, which I'd like to get into in a second. But mm-hmm. before we go into that level of comparison, mm-hmm. Something I think you mentioned on your LinkedIn profile, um, and it's uh, it's an old, old saying that content is king. Yes. What does that mean? Why is content king? And how does what do stories have to do with that? Well, content, sometimes people think of content just in a specific box, you know, like um, pushing out posts or content is blog posts or content is video. And then they get into arguing about which type of content it is. It really doesn't matter. Um, Content is anything that educates your audience. And that will always be more important than really your image and branding because you could have beautiful branding, but if people don't understand what you do um, or how to get it um, or what kind of problem you solve or what solutions you provide, then they're not going to buy into your company. And really what I always tell people is that people don't buy products and solutions. I mean, people don't buy products and services. I'm sorry. People buy solutions from people they trust. Mm -hmm. So they're not really looking for the air fryer or the subscription or the coaching package. What they're looking for is what those things will do in their life. They have a problem or maybe a irritation or a desire, and they're looking for something that will fulfill that. And so the content whether it be in magazines or in social media or in video, um, is what helps to share that with people. And when it comes down to it, there's so much that goes into digital marketing, you know, like the website, and there's so many technical things that you can get involved in. But if you, it's still all powered on words is what I always say, you know, even if it's video, it's still powered on words. And Google still favors long form blog posts Mm -hmm. and people say, why, you know, nobody has attention span. Um, It's so much easier to watch a video. Well, it is, but the video can't necessarily provide that all that information in a way that people can just skim through and get it. And so that information is still important because it shows that you are an expert and it shares that expertise with people and gives them the information that they need to make an educated decision and to maybe get a quick win. So they realize, oh, you know, I could fix this, but I really need someone to help me with step two, three, and four. Um, and so that's why content will always be more important than the cold messaging or because if you're cold messaging, but you have nothing out there that says who you are and really sells you, um, 
people are looking at that, right? They're looking at reviews, they're checking out your website. More now than ever, that is important because it's we have that and now we've expected it. We expect that that conversation to be created. And that's really what the content does. It starts a conversation. That makes a lot of sense. It, 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 it leads me actually to a question that lots of people ask us, which is, people say you need blogs, but then I speak to loads of people who write blogs and they don't get any reach. They hardly get anyone reading them. So what's the mm-hmm. point of writing a blog? Now, Again, that all depends on how good your SEO is and how yes, uh, much yes. of an audience you have. And so you can increase that reach in mm-hmm. many ways. But even if your reach is low, there's something which you said there, which I completely agree with, which is that if you're individually selling to people, mm-hmm. just having a blog on your website, just reaching one person who you're speaking to on an individual basis and saying, mm-hmm. hey, if you want backup of who I am and what I do, read this. Yes. Would you agree that that's a big help, even if you're not great at SEO just yet, even if you um, haven't got a massive following, the content is still yes. important for that reason? It is, because it does create that relationship and that conversation. And on the other side of whatever you're doing is a person. So we think in numbers and statistics, back to those 100,000 followers, those 100,000 followers are 100,000 individuals. Mm -hmm. And if you cannot speak to them or the majority of them in what feels like a one-to-one conversation, then you're missing the point. You know, they're going to click like, but they're never going to really follow you. They're not really following you. You know, they're just putting up their hand that, yeah, I guess I'll follow you. But then they're staying where they are and you're marching on thinking that you have this great band behind you and you don't, you're all by yourself. Um, So yes, SEO can be um, improved. The more that you create content, the more followers that you will get. If you're having that conversation, you're making it interesting, you know, um, and making them feel like you're speaking right to them, not the features and benefits type, but really speaking to what their experience and the questions that they have. Um, one of the tools that I use with my clients is um, Ask the Public. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of a weird little app, but the thing that it gives you is all the questions that people are asking about a particular topic. So instead of just, you know, like doing that spaghetti marketing, you know, where you're throwing things at the wall, you can see this is exactly what people are asking about this. So maybe I should answer those questions. Um, And that's what people want. They want you to answer their questions. They don't want you to sell them. Once again, I completely agree with that. Now, <laughs> uh, uh, there is a question, though. Um, so we're very much in, uh, in, in agreement. Uh, I, I think we, I think we possibly will be for a lot of the podcasts we work in. Yes. We work in similar uh, similar areas and come from mm-hmm. come from similar backgrounds. But there's another question which um, I think people struggle with quite a lot, and we talk about on this podcast all mm-hmm. the time. And uh, as a business, we talk about all the time too. If everyone's doing if everyone's answering questions, mm-hmm. if everyone in your industry is answering similar questions, mm-hmm. um, if you've all got the same niche, <laughs> the same yes. sector niche, which we maybe shouldn't go into today, that could become too uh, <laughs> too much of a uh, take over the whole to- the whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you do to make yourself stand out? Um, well, yes, the one thing I always say is that there's a million people doing exactly what you do. 
So it's never going to be, sometimes people try to come up with a super unique title, you know, to set them apart. But really when you boil it down, they're doing the same thing that a million other people are doing. And the title doesn't change people wanting to work with you, right? Um, these elaborate like architect this or goddess that or whatever. Um, <laughs> they're fun to say, but they really, they don't really do much for you um, in the long run. But people don't do it the same way that you do. And they don't have the same personality as you and they don't have the same experience as you. Um, and that's really what sets you apart because yes, there's probably 10 million digital marketers, you know, on LinkedIn. Um, but what sets me apart is how I serve and the method that I use um, and also like my values, like my integrity, um, which is a big thing for me is having integrity um, and being of service to people. And not everybody can say that. So that's something that you need to me, but also sharing um, those stories. Like, you know, we've talked about stories, it's a story podcast. One thing that some people follow me for is my stories about the animals. Um, and I never planned on getting known for that, but, you know, when you're looking for material and you want people to be able to relate to it and you want people to be engaged and want to say, oh, what's she going to come up with next? Um, it's hard to just keep, you know, you have this message or this product, right? And after a while, you're like, what else can I say about it? Well, people don't want to just keep hearing about the product. They want to hear about you and your experiences and what you've gone through and, you know, some sort of intriguing analogy <laughs> that you have yeah. to share. And that is everywhere. You know, sometimes people are like, well, my life isn't as interesting as yours. I'm like, everybody has an interesting life. Everybody has experiences every single day, whether it's going to like the corner Starbucks or, you know, um, your pen exploding on your desk or, you know, dealing with your dog or whatever it is, right? There's something that has happened in your past, something that's happening in your day-to-day -day life that you can relate to what you do because you chose what you're doing for a reason. There's a reason that you got there. There's a story behind how you got there. Um, it's not like you just got dropped into this, right? We all have a gift. We all have a story. We all have a reason why we're doing it. And most of the time, that story is that we were our ideal client at some point and we figured out how to make it work. And so we've gone through those struggles um, and we have an element of their life in our life so we can connect with them in that way. Um, and I think that really our job is to entertain people, not entertain people in like a viral post, like I'm just going to post something that everybody's going to comment on and has nothing to do with what I'm doing, but entertain them in a way that they can see that humanity in you. Cause again, they buy from people that they trust. Um, and so that's how you set yourself apart because no one has the same life as you. Um, and no one has exactly the same story as you. And so you need to be you, you don't need to be Russell Brunson. You need to be you. Um, and I think that that's the biggest way we can set ourselves apart because we do have so much more competition now than when it was just <laughs> yeah. like local people, right? You may have been the only marketer in your county, or maybe there was two of them and you put up competing billboards or whatever, but now you're competing against the world. Um, but it also gives you the opportunity to reach the world. So we have infinite opportunities 
along with that competition and focusing on the positives of it is really where you're going to find your stride instead of worrying about people that are competing against you. I, I said we were going to agree throughout most of the podcast and we still are, um, <laughs> at least to this point. If you can find something controversial, to, to, to maybe, maybe, maybe we wait later. But, um, but, but, but if I can hypothesize a little bit, if I can say the word, um, <laughs> you, you, you talked, you, you've talked around a few subjects, um, which again, we focus on quite a lot of puck creations and there's, there's, um, in my opinion, two of the kind of founding areas of making a business work, not just in marketing, but actually making a business work, mm-hmm. um, come down to one word. And it, it's become a bit of a cliche now because it's of Simon Sinek. So it's the word why. Um, <laughs> and Simon Sinek has done his, his, his TED, um, on it and, yeah. um, everyone then uses it, the golden circles and all of that kind of stuff with the yes. word why. But, I, 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 he's, it's cliched for a reason. He, he makes a really good point. And mm-hmm. what you were describing then, I think, um, actually defines the why in a slightly better way than I think most people understand it, which is, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just about why you do what you do, which is what mm-hmm. most people focus in on. It's not yes. just about why you get up in the morning. That's all important. And that helps you mm-hmm. with your focus. It helps you. Mm-hmm. It, it also helps you to differentiate yourself. As you said, it then mm-hmm. when you're sharing your stories, mm-hmm. um, it helps you to share different stories because you're realizing, mm-hmm. well, actually this is who I am. More importantly, these are the bits of me that are relevant to my, the audience that I'm speaking to. So these are the bits that I'm going to put out there in public because I think that is something to think about as well. But there's still the question then of the product or the service that you're selling, even if people love you, why are they going to buy it from you? And I think mm-hmm. you explained that quite well in your last um, uh, comment, your, your last answer, that they have to actually have a reason to buy the product. What is it going to do for them? How is it going to make their lives better? How is it going to solve a problem? And I Mm -hmm. think personally, that's sometimes missing from people's delve into marketing. Mm -hmm. So I've got two questions off the back of that. One is a very simple one. Do you agree? And the second question is, what else is missing? Um, I do agree that often we don't focus on the why like i said the features and benefits you know if we focus on it can do this it can do this it can do this and the more features and benefits you can come up with you think it's better but really you lose people in that because even though they want the features really they want to know like why should i be spending this money on this and it doesn't matter if they have a lot of money and a large budget or they have a you know a small budget and this is a major decision to spend this money every buying decision is an emotional decision mm-hmm. um we think that just impulsive buyers you know react with emotion but all of us react with emotion that's that's what makes us decide to do something to invest in something whether it's a service a product a subscription whatever it is um And that why really does come down to emotion, because how am I going to feel after I buy this? Um, What what possibilities is going to create in my life 
um, that's going to free up my time or make, you know, give my family a better meal. That's, that's why all those subscription services are so popular, you know, with the, with the food. And I don't know if they have those in Europe, but here we have all these subscription services yeah. where they send you a recipe and everything's portioned out and whatever, and you cook together as a family. Um, all of that comes down to emotion because really they're not buying the box of food, right? Or even the recipe, what they're buying is that experience and what that's going to do for the relationship or for their family or for their health. And that's an emotional part of it. Um, and we forget about the emotions or when marketing, we only focus on the negative emotions. Okay. So like the fear and the frustration yeah. and the problem and the gloom and the doom and and it's important to highlight that because sometimes people, many times people don't know what their problem actually is. And sometimes you need to point it out to them. But um, if you stay there and you're always in the negative, there's nothing for them to look forward to, right? There, there's no why emotionally for them to get into that. So um, why would they buy from you, right? They want to see the sunny possibilities. They realize that things aren't working, <laughs> like they're not happy, um, that something's broken, but they want that better day. Um, and so I would say that. And the other thing that I see most often that's missing in marketing is just telling people what to do, right? <laughs> we we just expect action, people right? to know. Um, yeah. And we say, I don't want to be pushy. And you don't need to be like, buy this, buy this, buy this. That is the worst way to market. That's not marketing, right? That's hard selling. Um, marketing is building the relationship. But once you've built the relationship, tell them, you know, like book this call here, buy this product here, you know, sign up for my webinar. Here. Like just lay it out for people because we're so busy. We're so overstimulated. We're so... Um, consumed by all this noise we don't want to have to think about it and if you don't tell us then we don't even know what you're offering um and i had a client that that was basically his problem like he had a great following he's very dynamic he's very charismatic people love to read his posts but it wasn't translating into business right and it yeah. should and i mean like from the outside it's like i have all these people that you know i'm doing all the boxes they're all checked off and basically what I said to him was, you're not telling people what you want them to do. I mean, that was really all it was. And he didn't completely believe me. And then after two weeks, he came back and he's like, well, I don't like following rules. So I didn't completely follow your plan, but just following your plan a couple of days, I got four people on my calendar and I got two new clients. And I said, see, you just need to tell them, send me a direct message so we can talk. And yeah. then they know how to get in touch with you. I mean, it was just a very simple tweak um that he paid me a good amount of money to figure out for him but it really is that asking, the thing is right? though it's a simple tweak because it, 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 the way you explained that i think is quite funny that he paid you a good amount of money to figure out but the, the, what what he's paying you for is your year's worth of experience there because yes. it's a simple yes. tweak that you and i might know and might see very quickly but most yes. people won't because most people have a either just they don't see it they just don't mm -hmm. realize that it's important or they have a huge fear um, yes. of wanting to, as you said, it's, it, it feels scary because they feel like they're pressure selling. And as yes. you said, there's a very big difference between pressure mm -hmm. selling and between simply asking. 
those yes. are not the same thing um, yes. <laughs> at, at, at all. <laughs> it, just to follow up as well on your first point, okay. um, I, I think there's also a, a, a difference as well between people's understanding of what a benefit is and what a benefit actually is. Because when people yes. talk about uh, features and, 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 and benefits, mm-hmm. they often talk about them as if they're, they're the same thing and actually the benefit to me is the solution is the bit Mm -hmm. that plays to the emotion so we do exercises on this with our clients so we um we 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 find a product and we we try and keep it away from their industry so they they they're not too caught up in it so just something Mm -hmm. completely random and we go through well what is the actual feature um uh, that you can say on on this mug for example and you say okay Mm -hmm. it's the handle of the mug Mm -hmm. and then you say okay that's fair enough it's the handle of the of the mug mm-hmm. um but if you ask them the benefit they'll say i don't know you can pick it up using the handle and i'm yes. like well yeah i guess that is the benefit but then you're like but what go a bit deeper like what does it actually do for you to have a handle mm-hmm. and it's like well it stops you from burning your hands on a hot drink yes. it it's like it, it, it yes. um it, it it allows you to actually drink the drink it's mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's yes. it's all of these different things and there's the advantage which comes in the middle but again we haven't got time to go into all of it today yes but it it, it, it i i, I I don't know what you, again, if you find this at all, when you're talking to clients, do they often get confused between what the features, advantages and benefits? And again, this is all jargon, really. But mm-hmm. I guess the areas that they need to speak about with their clients are the features, mm-hmm. advantages and benefits. But do they have yes. a clue what they are? Yes. Yeah. And really, the nitty gritty features and benefits um, that they get into, like it's in branded colors, like or it's not really what people need to hear um i say when you you know when people are buying bread machines because i just bought a new bread machine you know they narrow it down to a few models and then they look at the features and benefits of oh this one has 15 settings and this one has 17 settings and and that's when you compare that but when you're starting with people you're at the top right you're at the do i need a bread machine why do i need a bread machine what will a bread machine do in my life right yeah. but you're going down to the bottom if you think of like amazon you're going all the way down to the bottom of the page where they have the three different bread machines and they have a little checklist of <laughs> what they have in common or, or don't um yeah. and we need to reverse that because we need to start with why do i need this um and what's it going to do for me um and really in the end that's what people want to know like what's in it for me Right. We, we joke yeah. about that, but really that's what it comes down to. What's in it for me? People yeah. don't really, I mean, they want to know that it worked for other people or they want to know what, that it's quality, but that it worked for you or that it worked for somebody else isn't really um, what makes that change or makes that decision to say bye. What makes it is knowing that what it's going to do for me. Um, and so that is really important that we get stuck in the weeds. And I see this a lot with, you know, like, um, especially tech companies or AI or applications or um, yeah, that they're like, well, I, I said, I don't understand what they you know. I'll go to their website. And I'm like, I don't understand who you serve, how you serve them or why they should buy this. 
And they're like, well, it's all right there. And I said, well, yes, it says, you know, the tech specs and, you know, what platforms it works on or how fast it works. Or, you know, I'm not a tech person, so I can't even come up with the jargon from it. But looking at it, I know enough to be dangerous. And I'm looking and I'm like, this doesn't mean anything to me, though, even though I've bought apps or I've bought um, software. And so I know kind of what to look for if it's right for me, that's not why I bought it. You know, I, I had something, I had something that needed to be solved. And then I got asked for recommendations and looked at all of them and decided which one served me best, but it really was the customer experience that, that converted me, not all those little jargons at the bottom, unless there was a huge discrepancy, like we're a hundred times faster and, you know, you've narrowed it down to three, but again, that's the bottom of the page stuff. You need to stop, start at the top and um, we're doing things backwards a lot of the times. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever gone to it. Uh, I, I am fairly technical, and 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 um, I, I've gone into tech shops to buy computers for family and friends in the past, mm-hmm. and they get asked all these questions, the similar kind of things that you say I put on websites yeah. at the moment. So, um, you know, what specs do you want? Um, what processor do you need? All of this kind of stuff, and they just look lost, and they just say, "What? Well, I just want something that I can." do video calls on complete my homework or you know my my works do some work at home um Mm -hmm. and something which i can play solitaire on (laughs) i mean i haven't bought i haven't bought tech for a while (laughs) with family but 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 you're like oh okay so basically you need a product that can do all of those things right okay now here's the selection of products can do all of those things but then there's the question of well because most products can do those things, because most people who are buying a laptop or a desktop don't actually need the high-spec laptops or desktops mm-hmm. that, that, that are out on the market, what actually makes them different and what actually mm-hmm. makes them stand out? And this is where what you were just saying, I think, really comes into play. And sometimes it can be as simple as the branding. Sometimes it can be as simple as the color. But other times it can be, well, actually, we've introduced this really nice tool, which means that you can be on a video call on Zoom um, at the same time as um, writing up a proposal for work and at the same time as, I don't know, um, listening to a podcast that might not work if you're on a video call, it's a bit rude. But, yeah. <laughs> but my, my, my point, my point being that they, they, they say something which actually applies to the customer rather mm-hmm. than just applies to them and their kind of, yes. um, almost yes. excitable, understandably excitable journey of making the tech better than it currently is. That doesn't yes. mean anything to customers. And I, yeah. I, I think you explained that really, really well. And so, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's important <laughs> that I think our listeners get an understanding of the mm-hmm. fact that they need to make themselves stand out by speaking to the customer about what they need and why mm-hmm. it's important to them. Yeah. Now, to take a couple of steps back, mm-hmm. we were talking earlier about the importance of stories then to differentiate yourself and to build those relationships and to kind of get that rapport as a brand. And a long, long time ago now, it feels, I feel like I heard the clucking of a hen. And my question is, what do hens have to do with business? (laughs) Well, you would think that they have nothing to do with business. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We're clucking around a bit too quickly here. Let's take a step back and remember the wonderful moments Jennifer Elia has already brought us. You're listening to the first episode in the third series of the Storytelling Work Partner podcast. And we've already spoken 
about letting your secrets out, becoming more visible, how to understand yourself better in order to market better, the importance of content, the necessity of stories, and so much more. You're about to find out why hens are so important in creating content, what an apple tree has to do with it, and also where you can find Jennifer so that she can make your business thrive. Talking of stories, making businesses thrive, and the art of persuasion. Here is Andrew. We're all in the persuasion business, whether that's pitching to a potential client, selling ourselves in a job interview, or convincing a teenager to tidy their room. How we frame our message and how we deliver it makes all the difference. And this is the theme of my podcast, Leaning Forward. I'm Andrew Thorpe. I'm a speaker, a trainer, and a storyteller. And I'd love you to tune in to our latest episode. But there is so much of an overlap between like homesteading. So we raise animals. We have roughly 100 animals on here um, on this homestead. And I have a very, very large garden. Um, and, you know, we have different things. We have a hay field and stuff. So we have different things going on. And you would think that I think we've been taught that the agricultural lifestyle is nothing like corporate America, you know, like they're two complete dichotomies and we've moved past that. But in a lot of ways, it's the same thing, right? It all boils down to managing how you manage things, how you deal with um, problems, um, you know, features, benefits, solutions, possibilities, um, planting seeds. I mean, gardening really is an analogy for, anything that you're doing, you know, because tending and planting seeds and waiting for them to come up, that is marketing, right? It's not, marketing isn't you drop an apple seed in and you instantly have apples. No, an apple tree, first of all, if you put a seed, just so everybody knows, if you put an apple seed in the ground, you will get a tree, but it may not bear apples and it won't bear the apple that you took the seed from because apple trees that you plant aren't grown from seed, they're grafted. Um, so it's a totally different process. So if you think I'm gonna take this apple and put it in the ground and then I'm gonna have all these apples, like those YouTube videos where they're just like, take this <laughs> seed, put it in and then, ooh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's 15 years later. <laughs> you have this tree <laughs> with all these apples. And I think that's what people sometimes think will happen though. You know, they say, oh, I hear LinkedIn has, and LinkedIn does have great people. LinkedIn does have amazing possibilities, but it's not that you drop the seed in the ground and the next day you have 10 bushels of apples, right? Mm -hmm. You need to nurture it. You need to water it. You need to understand like what it needs, where you should plant it, um, when to prune it, when, when to fertilize it. Like all of those relate to business and they relate to my life because like that's what I'm doing in between doing zoom calls in between um helping people with their SEO or their or their messaging or their marketing plan um I'm with animals or planning with animals or checking on them um and just timing everything out and so it it really is that it gives me a vehicle that people can relate to so I can start by talking about a hen or a pig or a goat um, or a rabbit. <laughs> and I can turn that into 
this is what you need to do in networking, or this is how you need to present yourself, or this is what you're doing wrong on LinkedIn. Um, and it just draws them in. So I'm always looking for story ideas. And many times they just find me, like most of the time they just find me. Um, I generally, I plan out an idea of what I'm talking about each week. Um, and sometimes I even have posts generally laid out, but then something happens and I'm like, that's so much better of a story. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't expecting that because it just, you know, life is unexpected with animals and kids. So, um, so I just have to turn that into that post. It, it's, I don't know. I love to tell stories. I always wanted to be a writer, but I've realized that that's how I can relate to my people. And there's some people that do that through video very well. You know, mm -hmm. that's why vlogs are so popular because people want to hear these stories and relate to you and they're learning something. There's some vlogs that we follow about homesteading and it's fun to see like their animals and, you know, like what happened and their kids. And that's what draws you in. But really what they're teaching you is like how to grow a garden, you know, like how to process your milk, um, how to milk a cow, like all these things that you need to know. But it's that entertainment value that comes from actually experiencing their world. So tell us your favorite homesteading story or any story to do with your world actually that you uh <laughs> you think links uh it doesn't have to it doesn't have to link to business at all but just your favorite okay. story oh my favorite story gosh i have so many of them um i guess one of my favorite stories is like how we ended up here <laughs> um because we didn't we weren't always farmers um we didn't always live on a homestead or in the midwest um I always joke that our whole family like lived our whole life in New Jersey until we didn't. So um, my husband and I grew up in the same town and so did our kids. And um, we always wanted, my husband and I have been together for a very long time since we were young, we were friends and then we started dating or whatever. And we always wanted to move somewhere. You know, we always had this vision of what we wanted to do, but we never had the guts to do it or it just wasn't right or whatever. And then finally, we reached a point where it was like, we just don't want to be here anymore. Um, and we were heading there. And then, you know, with the lockdowns and everything, it just kind of accelerated it. And it was like, yeah, that's definitely like, we need to find another place to go. Um, so we spent a lot of time looking online and researching. And I interviewed so many people from every state, multiple people from different states to find out what was good, what was bad. I read all the laws. Like I'm a researcher, so I just <laughs> dove into everything. Um, and people were like, well, what are the three things? I'm like, it wasn't three. I had a list of like 12 different things that I looked at. But when people finished their conversation with me about selling me on their state, you know, whatever it was, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Utah, um, they'd always say, but I think you should move to South Dakota. And I was like, really? Like that was not even in the running on my list. I was trying to be a reminder, <laughs> but, um, and my husband had been offered a job here probably about 10 years ago. Um, and again, we were looking to move somewhere. So whenever there were opportunities for a transfer, we always were like, where can we go? And they just weren't places that we wanted to be, but this came up and I was like, are you serious? Like, do you know how far that is? It's cold there. Um, but I started to like really consider that. I said to my husband at some point, I'm like, I think God's sending us to South Dakota and I'm not sure how I feel about that. And the more that we looked at it, the more that we realized that this really was where we wanted to be. We just didn't know it. Um, so we bought a house online, like we hadn't been here um, and packed up our family 
and a rabbit. We had a pet rabbit at the time, my fig tree and some plants from my garden that I wanted to, I couldn't leave behind. It was very hard to leave my garden because I was very attached to it. So I had a tub of garden animal, garden plants and my fig tree and a rabbit in my husband's little sedan. And then I had the big van with the kids and everything. And we drove out here 1600 miles and um, showed up at a house (laughs) that we moved into with no furniture or anything. Like we just basically showed up and um, rebuilt our life. But, and I have to say when I first pulled up, I thought, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I kept telling myself the worst that can happen is, you know, we move again. Like we move back, we move someplace else. Like that's the worst case scenario. That's why I kept telling myself. That's why I kept telling everybody else. When I showed up, it was, I don't know. I expected it to be like this. Wow. And it wasn't. Um, but I got to the end of the first week and I said to my husband, I'm like, cause he really pushed for this town where we are. This was not my first pick of the town, but he kept saying, this is, um, trust me. And I was like, okay, you know, the, the house kind of fell into our lap and I'm like, okay, everything's lining up. We're just going to run with this. Um, and we got some of the first week and I was like, you know what, this is exactly where we always wanted to be. And so for me, it felt like we finally found home. You know, we always had this restlessness. And even though it took us 40 odd years to find it, um, (laughs) we finally found where we wanted to be. And so sometimes I think, I wish we did this 30 years ago, but we wouldn't have appreciated it the way we do now. Um, And I don't know that we would have jumped into homesteading (laughs) the way we did, but I always (laughs) wanted chickens. And so that was the first thing that one of the first things that we bought when we got here was chickens. Um, And uh, it just exploded from there. And so we've, yeah, we've been busy. (laughs) Amazing. So for our listeners who maybe don't know the difference, um, and I am possibly one of them, I've not been to uh, New Jersey or South Dakota, Um, but my understanding of both of these worlds is that New Jersey is geographically really small. Yes. And it's densely populated. Yes. (laughs) Whereas South Dakota, correct me if I'm wrong, is massive. Yes. But it is uh, quite sparsely populated. Is it, 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 is that an accurate depiction of it, the two states? And and then what other big differences are there? Um, well, yes, New Jersey is a smaller state. You can drive from. We were at the tippy top of the state, and you can drive down to the bottom of the state. Well, if there weren't traffic, you probably could do it in a little over two hours. But because of traffic, because there's so many people. It takes about three and a half hours to go from the tippy top to the bottom. And those are like really outlined points. So the state is not that big, Um, but there are a lot of people and there's traffic Mm. every place you go. And we were in a semi-rural area. So we had a mix of like farms and, and shopping places and, uh, you know, communities. Um, So we weren't in the city. Everybody thinks that we were like in the big city, but we weren't. Um, We actually got most of our produce and food and meat from farms. So we were in a farming community. It's just that it was very different than a farming community is here. Um, And we were in the foothills of the Appalachian. So all the driving was up and down and hairpin turns and all these blind spots, um, heavily wooded. Um, And so South Dakota, though, to drive from one end of the state to the other, again, at a very high rate of speed with no traffic, you could seriously drive from one side to the other, maybe see like three cars. Um, 
takes about, I would say about eight hours at 80 miles per an hour. Whereas wow. New Jersey, like even with the high, the highest the speed goes is like 60 and you're lucky for going 45, you know, because of the traffic. So, um, and you're surrounded by cars all the time. Um, so, and we have, I think, 850,000 people in the whole state. So what most people would have in a city, yeah. um, we have in the entire state. So our town yeah. right here is 650 people. Um, we're outside of town. Um, and that's another big difference. Like in New Jersey, everything kind of spills into each other. You know, like there's mm -hmm. the suburbs and the farms and the shopping plazas. And it's just like, you just roll from one to the other. You never really know when you leave one town to start another, unless they have a sign here. It's like, there's a town and then you could drive for 45 minutes to two hours. And then there's another town <laughs> and in between it is all farmland. Um, and so it's a very different setup um, between the two. And I think it's because there's, there's less people, you know, so there isn't that sprawl in between. Um, so we weren't, we didn't have a concept of that before we came here of, you know, that it's either you're in town, like densely populated, or it's just wide open country and it could be three to 10 miles till your next neighbor. Um, so yes, it's a very, and we're on the plains of South Dakota. So it was very flat. We can, in New Jersey, where we were, if you could see a quarter of a mile, it was considered like wide open, right? The, I don't even know that there was a place you could see a quarter of a mile. Let's say maybe an eighth of a mile. It's like, wow, it's so open. Here you can see 25, 50 miles, like straight. I mean, not that you could read a sign, but you can see down, there's a town that's like, 45 minutes south of us again at 70 miles an hour and when they have thunderstorms like we can see the thunderstorms <laughs> you're like when they have um fireworks in fourth of july you know you can see them in the distance and um it's quite a distance from us <laughs> that's amazing so, yeah I, I imagine there's just a sense of peace um in some ways having that that it's such a different lifestyle and i, I know as you say you were kind of you were in the countryside and on on the farmland anyway so maybe that's a big difference to people living in the city but still the way you've explained the two to me um and this would be hell for some people because they want to be you know <laughs> next to next to a shop that opens at 4 a.m in the morning so they can get milk but <laughs> but for other people uh, and i i imagine for yourself it's kind of it's just like the haven of peace right it's Yes. And where we were in New Jersey, like I said, we were a semi-rural, but we had, I think, three quarters of an acre or something. And that was like, you know, oh, you know, we have all this land. Whereas here now we have 11 and a half acres and we Whoa. have a very small lot. <laughs> um, and my son said, you know, 11 and a half acres is really small in South Dakota. You know, like in New Jersey, that would have been like, wow, <laughs> you know, like how do they have yeah. all that land? Here I look around and I'm like, oh. because, you know, the people across from us have like 20,000 acres, you know, it's, it's wow. a big dichotomy. We're in a very odd spot that what we have doesn't really exist that much in this state. Um, and so we're very blessed that we found this because um, it was like, it was built just for us. Um, <laughs> so yes, it has been a bit of an adjustment. I mean, even though we weren't in this you know, city where everything's open all the time, you know, here you have to get everything by five o'clock, things are closed, even in the big towns. Um, and Saturday, they may close by noon and Sunday, they're closed all day. Um, so it it is a little bit of adjustment to like, remember like, oh no, like I need to go to the store, you know, cause we're used to grocery stores yeah, coming yeah. staying open until like nine o'clock or so. And it's like, oh, 
I missed it and now I need to wait till Monday. You know, like, or we need to drive somewhere where maybe they're still open. But even in the city, like we'll go down to Sioux Falls, which is like two and a half hours, and things stay open later, but it's not late. You know, it's like 6 30, you know, and so <laughs> yeah, that's not I'm, late. <laughs> I'm in the city and we were doing something. And I'm like, I'm gonna stop at the grocery store. And I went over and I'm like, how are they close? Like it's only 7:30, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's just a different mentality of that they just don't stay open like there's no reason to you know like people can go and um yeah. but it's well, nice i guess the store owners uh, get to live their lives too and the workers yes. get to live their lives yes. too and uh, yes I, 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 and again that's not to say one way is right or one way is wrong yes. um we, we have some similarities in, in in netherlands a lot of stores are closed on uh sundays mm-hmm. um and um uh, it, or, or they open for very short hours um, mm-hmm. and a lot of things close early. Mm-hmm. And just in comparison to the UK, where, where I'm, I'm from, there's a huge difference in, in yes. the availability of, um, of things. And, and we're not in a small t- um, village or anything. We're in a, yes. a, a decent size um, city. Um, mm-hmm. At least by Netherlands standards, not by not by the state standards. <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, things still close really early. And again, as you say, it's it's a it's about getting the right mentality and and being able to yes. to deal with and and, and work with that. I, I want to do um, because we're we're coming close to the, the yeah. almost an hour. So I want to do a, a couple of things. Firstly, I want to create a little bit of an analogy of your story to business, because I think in some ways um, there was some good marketing going on, um, not necessarily by South Dakota themselves, but they have over time used their product as good marketing um, (laughs) (laughs) because they know their audience and other people around seem to know that you would be their audience and this would be the perfect kind of fit for you. So I think there was some, uh, there was some good content coming in from all of these other people. People were telling you things and you were seeing some good content around and then eventually um, a combination of you selling to your husband and your husband selling to you um, was kind of that final uh, call to action by now <laughs> to yes. go into, to this right, this right village. And so I think, uh, you know, people often think their stories don't relate to business, but you can relate yes. almost any story to business. Yes, <laughs> almost any story can relate to business because business is people, right? It's people and it's life and it's changing lives, no matter what you do you're changing lives and you're changing the world for that person and um i think that's something that we need to remember that no matter what we're doing we're changing that person's world in some way and we need to tell people about that like how are we changing people's worlds and and really capitalize on that right because that's that's the essence of what we do like that will be our legacy i really think about legacies a lot and our legacy won't be that product that you sold it will be how you changed their world and that can impact generations. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's something very simple, like the box of food that gets you to cook a meal with your family. Yeah. Like it's not about that box of food. It's that experience that you created that now can impact generations um, that we overlook. You know, we think it's a simple yeah. recipe, but it isn't. No, it's true. I always remember there's um, 
There was a TV on in the UK when I was a kid called Balikis Angel every Sunday night. And every Sunday night, we would watch Balikis Angel. We would have a toasted cheese sandwich. Um, <laughs> I think that was the time we were allowed a toasted cheese sandwich. Um, and we would do that as a family. And that would be <laughs> us getting together uh, as a family. And I think what you just said then is if, if then you also have a, a, an association. So we, I have an association with an old TV program and so they branded themselves well. But if you have an association with a product and, and that great feeling, even if you don't remember all of the details of the product, I mm-hmm. don't really remember what happened in Balikis Angel. I just remember it mm-hmm. being on. Yes. There's still that warm connection that you mm-hmm. have um, mm-hmm. because of the experience and the connection mm-hmm. that you have into that product. So beautifully expressed um and uh, i think a, a really salient point for uh, for our listeners to take away when they're thinking about their own marketing mm-hmm. now there are a couple of things that i think people are going to have to look up about you that i wanted to ask um ask you today mm-hmm. but I, i'm not sure we have the time um the first mm-hmm. thing is i think everyone needs to play six degrees of kevin bacon <laughs> <laughs> oh, i almost forgot about that post yeah <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you quickly explain what it's about in a second Um, and the second one is I was going to ask you to do this here but um, I think everyone needs to find um, because it's a brilliant video um, and explains so much so well about LinkedIn your video on how much does it cost to be successful on LinkedIn? Um, mm-hmm. There's so many key points there and I think mm-hmm. if you want to do well on LinkedIn, well firstly just hire Jennifer but if you don't um, if you're not ready for that just yet um, then at least watch a video on um, how much does it cost to be successful on LinkedIn it will give you a lot of tips and a lot of useful information Um, so two things very quickly explain what Kevin Bacon has to do with anything and tell people uh, where they can uh, where they can find you please okay so Kevin Bacon if you don't know was uh, well, he still is an actor in the U.S. that was very popular in like the late 80s and the 90s. And Kevin Bacon was famous for he was in so many movies, but he was never the person that you'd be like, oh, that's a Sean Connery movie. Right. Or that's a Tom Cruise movie. Like nobody ever said that's a Kevin Bacon movie. But he was in like almost every movie there was made. So there was a game called Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And basically what it was was you would name two movies. Um and try to figure out how you would connect them. And you would connect them through Kevin Bacon because he was connected to everybody, right? So you'd start with a Sean Connery movie and you'd connect it to like Top Gun, which Tom Cruise did, and try to see how few movies in between you could use to connect them. And I was never good at it because I can't remember names or like, you know, I remember faces. I know faces, but I couldn't remember who was in what movie. Like that just didn't matter to me. I remember the story (laughs) and stuff. Um, So that was always a big thing of so that's that's what I related to LinkedIn because like how many degrees of separation is there between you and the other people that you're working with but um yeah it's an interesting game I don't think people do it anymore it was like something we played in the early 90s um he's These still around people would probably just type it into Google <laughs> yeah, probably Google wasn't around so we were there trying yeah. to like remember in our brains yes and we did this all from memory which is why I didn't you know maybe if I had Google I could have played yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all from memory of like, you know, who was he with? Um, what commercial was he on? Was so yeah, that's what six degrees of Kevin Bacon is. And the less degrees you could use, then you were the winner. 
Perfect, perfect. Uh, maybe people will start playing that game again now after they, yes. maybe they'll choose a different person though. Yes. Somebody similar to Kevin Bacon, but who's uh, maybe uh, kind of a little bit more modern, <laughs> still, yes. still around. But to, yeah. to be fair, Kevin Bacon has, I think, become famous in the UK because he does a lot of ads these days for everything. Yes, I'm sure so he's, he does, yeah. Yeah. he's in everything. He is. <laughs> he is in everything. He is in everything. So maybe it still works. Maybe it still yes. works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so where can people hard. find you? Um, so the best place to find me is LinkedIn. Um, Je it's Jennifer Analia, and I'll give you the link. Um, but you can also look me up on Scale My Business on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I talk about all the ways that I can help you on LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. We'll obviously put all of those on the show notes. Um, yes. And if you have any more places that you want people to find okay. you, just let me know after the show. Okay. And we'll Great. add them on. But um, it has been such a pleasure. Um, I I've learned a lot. Um, I hope our listeners have too. And uh, I've been thoroughly entertained. Um, and uh, I feel like I'm going to be clucking about later like a hen. So that's all there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Stefano. I'm so happy to be here. It, 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 uh, it genuinely was a pleasure. So thank you so much yeah. for coming. We will, as always, finish the podcast with a story. It was once said that Amonpreet had helped to heal the American actor Kevin Bacon. Amonpreet was indeed a healer. Her remedy wasn't that of modern science, but of something ancient. She looked at the whole body, how everything was connected, and how changes to lifestyle, certain herbal remedies, and traditional treatments can improve your health and your life. Recently, Amanpreet visited her local doctor, Danish, in Mumbai. This wasn't hypocrisy, as some claimed. Amanpreet never criticised or contradicted modern medicine. Using ancient holistic techniques was supplementary. Danish was in favour of her techniques and sometimes sent people her way. Danish also understood the power of the right pharmaceutical. He studied at Harvard with Professor John Hume. John Hume had won every award known to the medical world. His research was pioneering. New techniques and facilities were named after him. His daughter, Martha, never got into medicine, but she often needed it to support her. Injuries were commonplace as a professional athlete. Martha played tennis. She had won four Grand Slams by the time she was 22, but she was prone to injuries. After her retirement, she moved to India, where she spent much of her life working with charities. Her work gained great notoriety, and a director named Michel Trudeau was desperate to make a film about it. He found a producer, brought in the world's best screenwriters, and cast an incredible ensemble. A friend of Michelle and a patient of Amonpreet, Kevin Bacon, was recruited to play the role of John Hume. The film's original title was Hume's Heroics, but after a lot of consultation and confirmation that everything I have just read is completely fictional, everyone decided it was better to call the film Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. You've just been listening to an episode of the Storytelling with Puck podcast. Your support keeps our podcast going, so please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. Subscribe to keep up to date with the latest episodes and never forget the importance of sharing your stories.